Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Beth Hill. I sing with the chancel choir most of the time. Let us prepare our hearts for worship as we bow our heads for the prayer of invocation. God of steadfast love, your works delight our hearts and expand our thoughts. Your grace and mercy draw us together to praise you and to celebrate your wonderful deeds. Dwell among us today and reign within the lives of each one gathered here, helping us to grow in discernment and understanding. Grant wisdom and courage that we may walk in your ways and keep your commandments. Amen. Let us praise God through our worship.
Good morning. In body or spirit, please stand for the responsive call to worship found on page three. God is gracious and merciful and trustworthy. Let us join our voices in giving thanks. We are called to faithfulness as God is faithful. We are people of the covenant gathered to please God. Come then as wise and faithful people. Come as beloved community of the redeemed. Let us worship God. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In humility and faith, let us confess our sin to God. Let us pray. O oh God, we confess that we have lived so comfortably in the abundance of our lives that we have made things our gods. We spend our days dreaming of and working for possessions that cannot satisfy. 
The pursuit of riches replaces the quest for faith and faithful relationships. We do not know you, God, and our relationship with others is superficial at best. Redeem us, we pray, from our self-destructive ways and restore us to your covenant community. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. May the God of mercy who forgives you all your sins strengthen you in goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit keep you in eternal life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. And let us say together now what we believe as written in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, now we have an opportunity to pass the peace with one another. We just ask that you be sensitive to those around you and respectful of space as you pick up on those body cues. Peace be with you. Good morning. Good morning. 
It's kind of awkward, isn't it, kind of doing that greeting thing from a distance and not sure what you're supposed to do, but we're doing our best to try to make sure we're taking care of each other as we make our way through this strange time. We are looking forward to when things don't have to be that way. We're always looking forward to when God is doing a new thing, and God is always doing a new thing. In fact, that is the theme for our kickoff Sunday. This uh, two weeks from today, hard to believe, but we will be kicking off another church year, and we hope to do it in fine fashion despite the realities of COVID. We will be sending you a postcard this week, and you'll get some information about that, but just lock August 29th in your brain. Two weeks from Sunday, we'll be here, and after worship, we'll be over in the Palm Center where you'll have a chance to sort of see what is unfolding for the course of this year. We're going to be kind of going back to the basics and focusing on the Bible. Not that we never focused on the Bible before, but we're going to give everyone an opportunity to sort of re-engage with Scripture and daily Bible reading and be thinking about what is the nature of the Bible and what its impact and its word can be for our lives and lots of great ministries as well and small groups and all sorts of things for you to get uh, signed up for and to understand how we're going to conduct our way through the beginnings of this uh, church year. So look forward to that uh, on August the 29th after at 10, from 10 until 12.30. We are also looking forward to the beginning of our choir season. We'll beginning choir rehearsals on August the 25th, and that's good news. We'll have, uh, we'll have more voices up on our chancel, and we'll be grateful for that. We are requiring those of you who wish to participate in choir to be vaccinated because everybody up on the chancel here is vaccinated so that we can care for each other, especially as we're singing and as we're doing all those things. So keep that in mind, but we would love for you to uh, be a part of that as we begin to sort of try to get our new church year uh, under, underway. And then if you look on page 12 and 13 of your bulletin, you'll find that there's lots of opportunities for you to be in ministry even now. We have volunteers needed for our food pantry and for our kitchen service. We will be looking forward to beginning the tutoring season in September, and there's an orientation meeting for those of you who would like to be tutors. We have a new Cub Scout pack that we would love to get started, and there will be folks afterwards that are available for you to talk to if you have a grandchild child or a, or a child in your life that would like to be a part of the Cub Scouts, uh, you can seek out Dan Watts. He will be underneath the tree, I believe, after the service and be glad to give you some more information about that. And of course, there's a long list of uh, activities that we have going on in our Palm Center, and we would love to have you participate in all of those um, if you are able. Uh, tomorrow, Mingy Brown is back. Yes, and not a day too soon. Um, we are well, looking forward to having Dr. Brown back. Many of you know that she's been on sabbatical leave for the last three and a half months and getting restored and recreated and getting refreshed for a new season of ministry. And she's looking forward to coming back. She's kind of chomping at the bit, it seems, um, because we're starting to get emails from her and all that good stuff. So it means that she's ready to come back. So we'll look forward to having her, her here in worship uh, this next Sunday. So you'll see an empty chair and some flowers next to it, which uh, call to our attention something that you already know, many of you already know, that Dr. Alan Rada uh, unexpectedly passed away this week. He was 
under hospice care. Uh, it seems so strange that last Sunday I was here telling you that Dr. Rada wanted you to know that he'll be as back as soon as possible because that's what we all believed. Um, but his health took a very sudden turn at the end of the weekend and uh, he passed away with his family at his side on Thursday evening. And so we remember him with great fondness and we are so grateful for his ministry, for his care, for his compassion. So many of you had him by your side through so many different seasons of your life. Alan was here for nine years as a pastor and uh, it doesn't seem possible that that time has flown by so fast. But we will be remembering his life and celebrating his life on Tuesday at 10 a.m. here in the sanctuary. And we will have the chance to rejoice in his life. We will have a chance to mourn uh, the loss of Alan. And we will have the chance to give thanks for the resurrection, which our dear brother in Christ believed in so firmly. So keep Judy and uh, Alan's two kids in your prayers as uh, they, together with all of those who uh, loved Alan, will be here Tuesday. Tuesday morning to remember his to remember his life. Let us continue our worship. to be 
Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we are grateful to come to you today, for the world is an uncertain place. We make our plans, dream our dreams, hope our hopes. But deep down we know, O oh Lord, that the world is tentative. Things do not always go as planned. Dreams are not realized. Hopes sometimes do not come to fruition. And so we bow our heads and lift our hearts, for we know that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We know that you are the loving creator who knit us together in our mother's wombs, and you invited us into this mysterious and magical and maniacal and marvelous world without guarantee of safety, but guarantee of your love and presence and promise that despite the changes, nothing shall separate us from you, that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are quite tired, O Lord, of this never-ending fight we are putting against this invisible and contagious and dangerous disease. We are so ready for this to be over. We feel like we crossed the finish line of the marathon and have been told that there's more race to run. And we're tired of running. We're tired of wearing masks and hearing terrible stories and being besieged by talking heads who mostly don't know what they're talking about. Help us, O oh God, to not lose sight of our certain mission to take care of each other. Allow us to be the community that puts the interest of others before our own. Help us to be a safe place and help us to find the lonely and the ill and the anxious and the vulnerable. Help us to find them and serve them and in them find you and serve you. We pray for our sisters and brothers in Haiti in the wake of another earthquake that they must now seek the lost, recover the dead, and build again. Rush to them the aid of their global villagers. We give thanks this day for our dear friend and pastor, Alan Rada. Life is uncertain and we were not ready for him to go. We wanted more of his gentle smile and assuring words and thoughtful wisdom 
and mentoring spirit and heartfelt prayers. We thank you for Alan, and we are thankful that by your grace you placed him into our life and through him encouraged us in our effort to follow Jesus. Bless Judy and his family and this family at Church of the Palms. He serves so well as we celebrate his life together this week. O oh God, our help in ages past, our hope for years to come, our shelter from the stormy blast and our eternal home. Assure us again how tightly we are woven into your love and how forever will be your embrace. Give us courage to live with confidence that by what we say and what we do, others will have faith to believe in you, the Alpha and the Omega. For we pray this in the name of your Son, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom his world rejoices, who from our mother's arms have blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. One of the great hymns of the church, the words of which were composed during a pandemic by a Lutheran pastor whose ministry was spent taking care of the virus's victims. Despite our own circumstances, we have much for which to be grateful. In these moments, ponder your own list of fortunes as you wonder what your response might be to God. Giving options are on the back of your bulletin and baskets are available at each door as you exit. Let us continue our worship.
Let us pray. We thank you, O God, for you are a bounteous God, and you have showered us with many gifts. And we are grateful, O Lord, for the gift of life itself and for the gift of eternal life that we know in your Son, Jesus. And so we bring in response to your gifts these gifts, that they may use, O Lord, to plant seed for the kingdom, and that through them others might know of your graciousness and find in you your love. For we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. We have arrived to the penultimate stained glass window from our chapel series called Windows on the Word. These last three windows are all related to the theme of connecting, the vertical connection to God, which leads to the horizontal connection to neighbor, especially the stranger or the outsider. Two weeks ago, we talked about the road to Emmaus and how Jesus, who was the stranger, met the travelers in their grief. They had cried out like many of us, we had hoped things would be different. But here we are. We will be reminded again of how Jesus meets us right where we are, often in unexpected ways. You may recall this mini-series is called Groping for God, which is also an appropriate sermon title for this week. Our memory verse for August comes from Acts 17, verse 27. Grope for God and find him, though indeed he is not far from each of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. The chapel window for today literally depicts a woman groping for God. In the top window, you will see an olive branch and a jar of oil symbolizing healing. This particular story is found in all three synoptic gospels. 
We'll hear it today from the Gospel of Luke, the eighth chapter, verses 42 through 48. Hear now the word of God. As Jesus went, the crowds pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years, and though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I noticed that power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, she declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, O Lord, to the word just read and the words to come, that they might point to you, the word made flesh. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Long before GPS on our phone was a thing, we used to get lost a lot more. Sometimes a map would help, and sometimes you had to ask for directions. And as I'm sure you know, Asking for directions is easier for some than for others. There's an old cartoon by Edgar Argo that shows a little boy asking this deeply theological question. Mom, why was Moses wandering in the desert for 40 years? And you know, she replied, because even back then, a man wouldn't stop and ask for directions. In my experience, with the men in my family, it seems as though the stereotype is true. According to psychcentral.com, some of the reasons given for men being less inclined to ask for directions include that they learn by doing, that they want to win and to be seen as strong. They do not want to appear vulnerable. Some newer research actually showed that men were judged harshly when they asked for help. My husband shared with me another reason from a 2010 cartoon. There's a husband driving and his wife is sitting beside him reading an article entitled, Study, Men Drive Extra 276 Miles Yearly. She asks her husband, why are men so reluctant to pull over for directions? He replies, we're used to getting them from our wives without having to ask. <laughs> yeah. Regardless of our gender, asking for help can be hard. I would rather figure it out myself and do it myself. Partly, I suppose, so I will be seen as capable and competent. It's the American way to admire independence, strength, and self-sufficiency. It reminds me of a pillow we once got my mom, who happens to be an old, stubborn Norwegian. The downward scrawl of the letters say, really, I'm fine. 
The image is of a cow flat on her back with her legs straight up in the air. Is it just me and my lovely mother, or do you too struggle with asking for help when you need it? Actually, when I think about it, I even have trouble admitting to myself that I might need help. God seems to know that we might struggle with this issue because we have this illuminating story told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We just heard in our scripture passage how a suffering woman had the courage to reach out and grope for God. On the surface, this may not seem like a big deal, but given the ancient laws of the time, this was a very big deal. Because of her bleeding, she was ceremonially unclean. For the good of all, she must be kept far, far away. If you were to touch this woman or be touched by her, you couldn't go to God's temple for a week. It sounds like an adult version of having the cooties, but with consequences that were serious. In, in fact, Scott Hosey writes that if it had become known that she was putting the community at risk, she could be stoned to death. Can you imagine being this woman? We read in the text that she had spent all she had on physicians and no one could cure her, which meant no one could touch her or hold her she couldn't give or receive a hug or even hold hands with anyone. She was socially dead, isolated, and alone on the fringe of society. It reminds me of the story of Lily, who was born with a rare genetic disorder called Apert syndrome, which causes the skull bones to fuse prematurely. People with Apert syndrome have can have distinctive malformations of the skull, face, hands, and feet. Lily's early years were filled with many medical procedures. Every time she had a craniofacial surgery, she had seizures. In spite of her health issues, Lily was the happiest little kid you could imagine. From preschool to fourth grade, she did great. The other students didn't seem to notice how physically different she really was. Her early childhood was a reflection of the natural compassion of the very young children. The kids accepted her just as she was. But once she hit middle school, everything changed. Looks and social status mattered more. Lily was shunned by her classmates and couldn't find her way into the social circles. She was always on the fringe. Nobody directly teased or bullied Lily. They simply didn't include her. She was invisible to them, which felt as bad as being singled out and tormented. Lily was overwhelmed with loneliness. Have you ever felt like you don't belong on the outside looking in? Have you felt abandoned by communities or by friends? One would think that we could easily use our voice and ask for help, but it's not as simple as it seems. Former Surgeon General Dr. Vivek Murthy tells a story about his early childhood in his book called Together. 
the healing power of human connection in a sometimes lonely world. In elementary school, Vivek would have a sinking feeling in his stomach every single day his parents dropped him off at school. He wasn't scared about exams or homework. He was worried about feeling alone and felt too ashamed to tell his parents. Confessing his loneliness was more than not having friends. It felt like he was admitting that he was unlikable or unworthy of being loved, so he kept the secret to himself. Like Lily and Vivek, the woman who was hemorrhaging for 12 years felt shamed by society and dreadfully alone. She teaches us a valuable lesson. In desperation, in hope, and with great vulnerability, she courageously reached out in faith her faith is such that she knows she doesn't even have to ask for healing. She only has to touch the fringe of Jesus' clothes. Jesus' response was surprising, though, wasn't it? Jesus asked, who touched me? Which, of course, seems like a silly question. The crowds were pressing in on them. All kinds of people were touching him. And why does it matter who touched him? Jesus has no shortage of power and doesn't need to be stingy or concerned with conservation. In her book, The Feminine Soul, Janet Davis writes, Jesus sensed some unfinished business. If bodily wholeness was his primary goal, his work was done. Just as his earthly ministry was not primarily about physical healing, but about restored relationship with God, this moment too was all about restoring relationship. So rather than a quick healing with a light touch and then disappearing into the crowd, the woman was challenged again, this time by Jesus' question. Would she stay silent and slip away, or would she have the courage to be vulnerable a second time? The easy thing to do is to sneak out the back door, to not be vulnerable, to not expose our weakness. Being vulnerable is hard, but oh, so worth it. Vulnerability is the birthplace of love, belonging, joy, and courage. We like control. God loves vulnerability. When the woman declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched Jesus and how she had been immediately healed, Jesus then used a term of endearment and affection that gave her a new identity, an identity that restored her to community, an identity that said she belonged. He called her daughter. This is the only woman Jesus calls daughter in all of scripture. And in all three synoptics, Jesus says this phrase, daughter, your faith has made you well. Of course, we know the type of healing we receive doesn't always match our expectations. Sometimes healing manifests as a feeling of peace despite an ominous diagnosis. 
Sometimes healing looks like not letting fear have hold in your life. I recently read a short poem by Scott Stabile on fear that I found helpful. My fear whispered to me, I'm trying to protect you. I whispered back, I know, but I'm stronger than you think. Sometimes healing looks like acknowledgement from a friend. And though we cannot heal someone's pain by trying to take it away, a comforting presence recognizes the suffering and gives peace. As Parker Palmer wrote, the human soul doesn't want to be advised or fixed or saved. It simply wants to be witnessed exactly as it is. Acknowledgement is a powerful tool. It makes things better even when things can't be made right. I came across a lovely children's book that captures the essence of this idea. It's called The Shadow Elephant by Nadine Robert. The story unfolds, introducing the melancholy protagonist, a great blue elephant flat on his back. Some said the elephant was gloomy. Some said he was trying to hide his sadness. Some said he preferred the shadows. The other animals of the savanna tried to lift the elephant out of his gloom by telling him silly stories, dancing silly dances, and bringing their favorite foods. Not a smile, not a sound. The elephant listened attentively but remained in the shadows. And then one day, a tiny mouse emerges and asks whether she can sit beside the elephant and rest a little bit. This small ask, this non-judgmental and non-anxious presence with the elephant's sadness becomes the portal of his transformation. The elephant is at first incredulous that the mouse isn't there to distract him from his sadness with some gimmick. But then she begins to tell him a bit of her own story. Something about the mouse's plight, about the ease with which she shares her sorrow with him, unlatches something in the elephant. He begins to cry, big, silent tears. Then she begins to cry by that exquisite natural bond of creaturely sympathy that binds us when we cease to feel separate and alone in our sorrow. Slowly, drained of his tears, the elephant rises large and light and hoists the mouse on his back, offering to give her a ride home. Gently, without unease or demand, she invites him to tell her his own story. I can try, he exhales as they vanish together behind the horizon of aloneness. Friends, who can you reach out to? Who is on the fringe longing to be noticed, to be included, to be sat with? And if that person is you, can you begin by reaching out and groping for God? 
Being vulnerable is a risk we have to take if we want to experience connection and healing. Jesus is always open to our reach and promises to meet us right where we are in our lowest of lows and our highest of highs. May we have the courage to grope for God and find him, though indeed he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being.
Friends, in hope and with courageous vulnerability, may we too reach out in faith. For don't we long to hear those words, son, daughter, your faith has made you well. And now wherever you go, may the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes, the love of God reflected in your hands, the knowledge of God reflected in your words, and the knowledge of God flow through your hearts so that all might see and believe. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen.